Hi folks, this is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things we can all do to live a better life. If times get tough, or even if they don't. Today is January the 5th, 2017. This is episode 1925. And what are we going to talk about today? I know what you're thinking. It's Thursday. This must be a call-in show. The call-in show will be tomorrow. I've given the uh, expert counsel a, a good break. They'll, they'll be back with you next week. I'll be doing the call-in show tomorrow. Today is uh, called A Bunch of Random Stuff. And it's really not that random. It's kind of a look around at what's going on and what's coming. Uh, we're going to talk about some of the things going on in politics right now. Not a lot, just a little bit. Uh, we're going to talk about the Make America Sick Again campaign by the Democrats to, uh, to retain Obamacare. We're going to talk about all this Russian hacking bullshit and how uh, Podesta had his email hacked, uh, which is not really a hack. It's, it's, it's a absolute, the epitome of the old saying from uh, network security specialists that there's no patch for stupid. And uh, we're going to talk about a, uh, a young mentally challenged man who was beaten and cut and live streamed on Facebook video. And uh, the, the attackers in the background are screaming, F white people, F Trump, things like that. And the media is completely silent on it. The cops say, we don't think it had anything to do with them being white or, uh, or this Trump thing. And we don't really think this is a hate crime or whatever. And, and just the hypocrisy there. They're going to take a look at some predictions from an article that I shared on Facebook. that was actually written, I think, about mid-2016. And uh, some looks forward at things like software and artificial intelligence, autonomous vehicles, electric cars, the growth of solar power, your iPhone is a doctor, business opportunity and job losses, agricultural uh, impact in the next coming years, uh, digital currency, life expectancy, and education. We'll round out the stuff we're going to talk about today. Um, why? Why did I do this today? Well, one, I did want to give the expert counsel a break. Two, I just needed a change up. Every once in a while, I need to do something a little differently and uh, just just kind of have fun with it so that we keep enjoying ourselves here, even though some of the stuff we're going to talk about today ain't very fun. Before we get into it all, though, let's go ahead and hear from our two sponsors of the day. Hey, guys, you know I've always been a fan of Backwoods Home Magazine. Well, how about this? How about Self-Reliance Magazine from the same people that brought you Backwoods Home? Many of you know I've been a Backwoods Home subscriber for over 20 years. Dave Duffy and the crew over there have brought out a new magazine simply called the Self-Reliance Magazine. It's at self-reliance.com online, and you can learn more about it by the link in today's show notes. But it's amazing. Just take Backwoods Home. Up the production value, take out all the politics, and go 100% hardcore homesteading, self-reliance, self-sufficiency. And that's what you get in Self-Reliance Magazine. Check them out today, self-reliance.com. You know, Western Botanicals is my personal first choice for everything herbal, from whole raw herbs to preparations and ointments. In fact, two products I use all the time from Western Botanicals are the Deep Heat Ointment and the Turmeric Combo. Western Botanicals is the no-nonsense, no-hype herbal source you can trust. Learn more at westernbotanicals.com. Next up, let's take a look at the year that was the episode. The year is 1925 because the episode is 1925. I have two for you today from Alex Shrugged. I have Eugenics and the Scopes Monkey Trial. We also have If We Could Talk to the Animals. 
And then we have a whole bunch of notable births this year. Margaret Thatcher, who became the UK Prime Minister and was instrumental in destroying the Soviet Union. William F. Buckley Jr., spokesman for the conservative philosophy. Barbara Bush, who is still living with us today, first lady and mother of President Bush the Younger. Pol Pot, Cambodian leader and mass murderer. And in entertainment this year is born Sammy Davis Jr., best known for the song The Candyman. Peter Sellers, actor in films like The Pink Panther and Dr. Strangelove. And B.B. King, blues singer who will get a Grammy for The Thrill is Gone. Note, living means they were alive last time I checked, 2017, January 5. In other news, the term cosmic rays is coined. Energetic charged particles are measured in the upper atmosphere. The new Madison Square Garden opens. It's the third location for the indoor arena. They will relocate once more in 1968. And Mount Rushmore is dedicated. Construction itself will begin in 1927, two years later. Let's take a look at eugenics and the Scopes Monkey Trial. Buckle in. This is going to be a bumpy ride. Tennessee has passed a law forbidding the teaching of Darwin's theory of evolution in government schools. In short, you cannot deny the biblical account of divine creation by teaching that man evolved from apes. Of course, the Bible is somewhat vague in how man was created, and apes are not monkeys. Nevertheless, most people believe that God created man somehow, but if you claim within the bounds of a state school that God used evolution to do it, you are in violation of the law. The newly formed American Civil Liberties Union puts out an ad pledging to defend any teacher who violates the law. Please, please, please. The businessmen of Dayton Lake take the challenge. They figure it will put them on the map. A few students complain that their teacher, John Scopes, taught evolution. He is fined $100, which is close to $2,900 in modern dollars. But this isn't about the money. Please don't make me say principal because principals have very little to do with this. Everyone is in on it. The judge, the jury, the prosecutor, William Jennings Bryan, and the students. The defense attorney, Clarence Darrow, begs the jury to return a guilty verdict. Hmm. Nine minutes later, Scopes is found guilty. Two years later, the state Supreme Court will find the law to be constitutional, but irrelevant because, one, the law has already been repealed, two, John Scopes no longer is a teacher, and most importantly, three, judges cannot impose fines in Tennessee Over $50. Only juries can do that. The creationists win. My take by J uh, Alex Shrugged. Although John Scopes admitted that he regularly taught from the standard biology textbook, he later admitted that he had skipped the whole section on evolution. He never violated the law. The students lied. I'm shocked. Shocked, they tell you. Somehow the movie Inherit the World left this part out. But there is a reason why good, rational people might support the Tennessee law because teaching that God created each of us in his own image had, be had to be better than what the textbook was actually teaching, that the parasite races should be killed off. Here's a quote from the textbook itself, and Alice gives us the last summation of this called The Remedy. I decided to look it up because I remembered this because I had a really good uh, history teacher in high school, and... Uh, I want to start uh, two, two, uh, two sections ahead of this and finish with the remedy. Eugenics. When people marry, there are, this is from a high school biology textbook. And this is what the creationists didn't want taught. Before you judge too harshly, listen to this. Eugenics. When people marry, there are certain things that the individual as well as the race should demand. The most important of these is freedom from germ diseases, which might be handed down to offspring. Tuberculosis, syphilis, that dread disease, which cripples and kills hundreds of thousands of innocent children. 
epilepsy, and feeble-mindedness are handicaps, which is not only unfair but criminal to hand down to posterity. The science of being well-born is called eugenics. The science of being well-born is called eugenics. Continuing, parallelism, parasitism and its cost to society. Hundreds of families such as those described above exist today, spreading disease, immorality, and crime to all parts of the country. The cost to society of such families is very severe, just as certain animals or plants become parasitic on other plants or animals. These families have become parasitic on society. They not only do harm to others by corrupting, stealing, and spreading disease, but are actually protected and cared for by the state out of public money, largely for them, largely for them the poor house and the asylum exist. They take from society but give nothing in return. They are true parasites. Breaking off for a second, I believe Hitler used the term useless eaters. This is from a U.S. textbook. He used to teach biology in the state of Tennessee, 1925. Let me finish with Alex's quote, The Remedy. If such people were lower animals, we would probably kill them off to prevent them from spreading. Humanity will not allow this. But we do have the remedy, separating the sexes in asylums or other places in various ways of preventing intermarriage and the possibilities of perpetrating such a low and degenerate race. Remedies of this sort have been tried successfully in Europe and are now meeting with some success in this country. Again, this is from a textbook used to teach biology in 1925 in the United States of America. So the next time you hear about the Holocaust in Germany and someone says, how could this have ever happened? How could humanity have ever done such a thing? You might remind them that some of it, at least part of it, started right here in the good old U.S. of A. And it's important that we know all of history, not just the parts that make us feel good or make us look good. My take by Jack Spears. With that, let's get into the main topics of today's show, and there are a lot of them. I want to start out with, like, so yesterday, uh, the ass clown-in-chief, Obama, and for those of you that are new to this show, I want you to please know that when George Bush was president, I called him the ass clown-in-chief, and... I will give Donald Trump, I don't know, a couple weeks to show me what he's going to do once he becomes the new Ask Planet Chief before I refer to him that way or not. I give people a chance, but I'm expecting we'll have a new Ask Planet Chief very, very soon. Um, and I referred to Bill Clinton as Ask Planet Chief long before I was on the air. But th this is not anti-Democrat, though it's going to come off that way, just for you new listeners so you get it, okay? Um, but the Dems and the Ask Clown got together, and they, they want to save Obamacare. And they're, they're ready to put up a good fight against the Republicans, but they really can't do anything. They really can't do anything about the repeal, and the, the Republicans have to, have to repeal it or they're dead in the midterms. They're dead. I mean, the, 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 the loathing hatred that will come out from their base if they do not repeal this thing while they have the House, the Senate, and the presidency is unbelievable. So they know this is going to happen, but the, the, the key is then well, what's to get replaced with, and the Democrats are basically saying we're going to hold our breath and not play ball. You want to repeal it, you can just repeal it. That's a dangerous game for them. Okay, But here's, here's the, just the, the, the idiocy of the Democratic Party, and, and we're going to see a lot of it today. It doesn't mean there's not idiocy in the Republican Party, and we'll, we'll get to that in a, in a bit too, um, because there's some other shit going on today that really 
is being more republicly driven than, than Democrat driven. It's bad for this country. But, uh, so the Democrats come out and they all come out and they got Nancy Pelosi and will this woman go away? I mean, will she go wherever Hillary Clinton's going now and just go away and just shut up so I don't have to hear her mouth anymore? But they on and on and on. And it's the basic message. The Republican plan to replace Obamacare will be a disaster. Millions of people will lose coverage. Insurance rates will go through the roof. It's a terrible plan. And they want to repeal it, but they have no plan to replace it. Now, if, if, if your brain cells work the way that they're designed to work, you just went, wait a minute. Wait a minute. That doesn't, that does not compute. Either they have no plan or they have a bad plan. They can't have no plan and a bad plan. So, so that's what the, the, the Dems message is. They have no plan. They're just going to repeal us and it's, the whole world's going to fall apart. Everybody's going to die. And they have a plan that's terrible. Well, pick one, you morons. And what every single, I, so I, I, I was ready to kill myself listening to these people. I made my morning bacon. I sat down in front of the TV. I had it paused. So I could skip the commercials and see what the hell's going on out there. So I could talk to you guys about it. Figured I would be doing this Monday because you guys send me stuff and I have to be informed. Otherwise, I wouldn't even watch this pablum puking crap anymore. But I'm listening to this. And Congress idiot after Congress idiot stands up and says the same words. It, they literally just say what I just told you. But they all say, and Donald Trump wants to make America sick again. He wants to make America sick again. He wants to make America sick again. Well, you're making me sick right now. Okay, Nancy Pelosi, your face makes me sick. If you're offended by that, tough shit. That's nothing to do with anything other than who she is. Harry Reid's face makes me sick. All right, lots of people's face. Lindsey Graham's face makes me sick. We'll we'll get to bashing on him in a little bit here, just in a while, so you know that we're equal opportunity bashers. But uh, make America sick again. Well, first of all, when was America sick? Was America sick? In 2008, I mean, I think America's sick in the head. But I mean, like, were people just falling over and dying of tuberculosis and syphilis and stuff like that in 2006, 2007, leading up to Obamacare in 2009, 2010? No. So what are we going back? But here's the other thing. Can't you idiots, can't you freaking morons in a Democratic Party come up with anything original? You, you take Trump's slogan and you alter it by a word? You go from make America great again to make America sick again? I mean, the, 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 the epitome of being completely useless. You can't even come up with your own lines. So, here's the deal what's going on right now. And this is why it's, like, all of this is irrelevant. It's just irritating. Here's the relevance. I'm going to take you back to 2009. I believe it was November or December of 2009. I made the following statement, uh, paraphrase, because I don't even remember exactly what I said. But basically this. You're going to get this thing. It's going to pass. There's nothing you can do about it. You can call all your senators and all your congressmen. Olympia Snow is going to snow job you out. It's going to happen. She's already said she's going to cross the line. That's all they need. They're going to get this thing passed. The, the ass clown's going to sign it. It's going to be a disaster. It's going to absolutely destroy the health insurance industry. It's going to make insurance completely unaffordable for everybody except the people being highly subsidized. There'll be a massive revolt, and, in, 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 and there'll be two year, two terms to this ass clown Obama. He's going to get reelected. The Republicans have nobody. Some Republican strongman's going to come out of nowhere. Huh? 
right? Those of you that have been listening this long are going, this is exactly what this guy said, right? He's going to come out of nowhere. He's going to take over the country. And then he's going to sell you on government health care. And people are saying now, Jack, listen. Obama, I mean, Trump completely campaigned on repeal and replace Obamacare. Your prediction is scary, except you know, scary accurate up to this whole government takeover of healthcare. No, this is the setup. This is the setup. This is what's going to happen. The Republicans are going to say, listen, we got to do this. We, we, we've got to repeal this thing. Now, what you have to understand is at least half of Republican legislators, at least half, are okay with the concept of government-provided health care. They can't say it, but they're okay with it because it's more power for government. And guess what they are? They're government. They're government. So do you think they want more power or not? Mm, okay. All right. So they need a way to give you what they want, which is more government. And they need a way to do it where it looks like it's not their fault. The Democrats want uh, government health care. That's what they've always wanted. They've always wanted single payer. Donald Trump has on, has on record many times as a fan of the concept of single payer. None of those entities, even if they all got together right now, could, could come out and give straight single payer without major whiplash. But what they can do is lay the final bricks for the pathway. Because this is the rest of what I said back in 2009. The purpose of Obamacare is going to be to destroy the health insurance industry to a point where people will accept any solution because they can no longer afford not to. So that's how we're going to get this sold. So here's what's going to happen now. The Republicans have the votes and have the power of the purse to defund and, and just wind down Obamacare. And they'll probably do it over about four years, which will coincidentally lead right up to the next presidential election and will do very little to hurt them in the midterms. Because even though it's repealed, the goodies that everybody's getting won't be gone yet. So they're going to repeal it, and then the Democrats are going to hold their nose and say, well, you need 60 votes in the Senate to, to get certain things through, and, and we're not going to do that, and you, you, know, you, you can't, and they're going to block the replace. See, the Democrats can't block the repeal, but they can block the replace, or they can at least obstruct the replace. And there might be a gang of six or seven or something like that, like there was on the Republican side of the Democrats, but they won't really do it. They'll talk, they'll move around, they'll talk about working this out. And what the Democrats are going to end up saying is, listen, we got all these people that are going to lose coverage. There has to be a place for them. There has to be a place for them. We need to expand Medicaid. People say, oh, we can't expand Medicaid. And the Republicans want block grants on Medicaid, which means instead of the federal government overseeing Medicaid, they'll say, Texas, here's your money for Medicaid. Take care of your people with it. Louisiana, here's, you see, and that, that might actually happen as part of this grand bargain, this grand compromise. But what the Democrats are going to say is we need, we need something. We need something big. We'll give you everything you want. We'll block grant Medicaid because that doesn't matter. That just puts the states under greater control of the federal government anyway because the federal government goes, if you don't do what we want with your Medicaid dollars, we'll take them away. All right? See, more power. They always agree about more power for them. Always. They'll, you want competition across state lines? Fine. We want a public option. We'll give you everything 
you give us the public option. We'll, we'll take all of the restrictions off the free market if we can have a public option. It'll be voluntary. You'd be able to buy your insurance from Aetna or Blue Cross Blue Shield or anybody, or you can buy it from Uncle Sam. It's a voluntary program. The government competing with the open market. You guys say that the government services suck. Well, fine. Let the people that can only afford that buy that and let everybody else buy whatever they want. Now, you understand the disaster here. This is, this is the death nail for the, the private insurance agency, except for probably high-end boutique insurers, like they still have over in the UK. Rich people can buy private insurance to go with their, their your universal health care in England. Poor people, middle-class people can't afford it. They just can't. They just can't. They're in the state system. You can't go straight there here, so this is what happens. We, that gets sold. The, the, the Republicans say, listen, we don't want to do this, but we've done what you asked. We've repealed it. We've repealed it. We've removed the mandate. We've opened up, comp we put this through, we open up competition. We give you everything that the, the, the right-wing talking head said you wanted. And hey, if you want government insurance, you can buy it. And if you don't want it, don't get it. Now remember, that was a big sticking point. It got pushed out of the original bill. But the original bill didn't do any of this other stuff. It didn't open up competition across state lines. It had a mandate, etc. And what they're saying is, well, if, if people, you know, aren't mandated, then you don't get enough people in participation to dissipate the cost so that, so that we can have things like no pre-existing conditions or whatever. Well, what the, what the government will say is really simple. Okay, fine. Don't worry about that. We'll let the, the free market market. And if you have pre-existing conditions and you can't find an insurer, The public option will address that. It won't be free. You'll pay insurance on some sort of graduated market rate or something like that. But, but, but everybody qualifies. It's not just for poor people. It's not for people that almost get on Medicaid but can't. Right? Or almost get on Medica Medicaid that can't, you know. Or their kids are on Medicaid but they don't have insurance for themselves. Right? It's for everybody. It's a pay to, it's a pay to participate and it's voluntary. And that's how the Republicans will say, well, we can, we can still cover that. This is the grand bargain, and Trump's the guy to sell it. He's the guy to sell it to America, and he will. I'm telling you, you're going to be so happy. It's going to be so much winning. You know, we're going to get tired of winning. You're going to be so healthy, you're going to get tired of being healthy, right? By the way, everybody that's looked at this plan and loves it, everybody says it's good. I have the most endorsements for this plan from any doctor of any president ever. Some sort of nonsense like that. That's what's coming. Make America sick again. Could you guys at least, could you at least come up with something original for once in your lives? Okay, so moving on, time for a little Republican bashing here in just a moment. But let's, we're going to have to stick with the DNC because it leads to the Republican bashing. So right now, the, the, the Senate Armed Services Committee is meeting. Well, they're probably done. They were meeting this morning. And they're discussing the need for greater cybersecurity, which means more snooping on you and me and all of our allies and all of our enemies and uh, more power for them and less freedom and independence for us is what it means. But what leads into this is just over and over this bullshit about Russia hacked the election. Okay, first of all, Russia didn't hack the election. Nobody hacked the election. 
There's no accusations that anybody hacked the election. Hacking the election would be hacking into voting machines and changing votes and shit like that. That's hacking the election. But uh, pound fake news. We'll just well, hashtag is what they call it. I call it pound. If you don't like it, I don't care. Hashtag fake news, right? But because um, the headlines are very misleading to a nation that reads mostly headlines. Anyway, the assertion still is that that Rush is behind all of this uh, all of this email that was hacked that came out and was released by WikiLeaks to influence our election. And it's it's Vladimir Putin trying to influence our election, and it's a terrible thing, and we should be throwing rocks at him. That's what Chaffee said, and it, it's just nonsensical crap. But uh, it, it turns out that a huge amount of this uh, material that was extracted was extracted through uh, Leon Podesta, And hacking into his email because a lot of these people were emailing him. He was like a hub for a lot of this shit. Well, Assange was interviewed by Sean Hannity. I think it was on Hannity. And revealed that Podesta's password to his email was password. What's his password? His password's password. What, what's his password? Password. His password was freaking P-A-S-S-W-O-R-D. His email password was freaking password. I mean, can you can you imagine that? Did, 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 who the hell does this? And, and some kind of, you know, but it gets better. It gets better. Because what we learned in this interview is that Assange has published emails that show Podesta responding to phishing email that asks him for his password. We need your pa You know, this is so and so uh, from the, the the email company, and we need your password to uh, to check your account up or something like that. Not only that, his staff looks at it and tells him, "Yeah, that's legit. That's that's cool. You can you can go ahead and give it to." And he gave it to them. Phishing email. This isn't even a, fi a phishing email. Has some level of sophistication to it. This is flat out. Well, can we have your password? Okay, yeah, it's password. You, you know that whoever was behind this. Russian or Ukrainian or some fat kid in a basement, when they got the email back, they're like, ah, oh, come on, he's effing with us. He's on to us. He knows that this is bullshit. We, you know what? We, we gotta check it. Let's try it anyway. Leon Podesta at dumbass.com. Log in. P-A-S-S-W-O-R-D. Enter. Holy shit. Holy crap! We're in! We got everything! This is great! The guy's an idiot. You know what this makes me think of? Leon Podesta's password is password. I'm going to show you, or I'm going to let you hear what this makes me think of. Some of you already know what's coming. Some of you don't, because, well, you're too young. No! Wait, wait! I'll tell. I'll tell. I knew it would work. All right, give it to me. The combination is... One. 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 Two. 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 Three. 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 Four. 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 Five. 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 So the combination is one, two, three, four, five. That's the stupidest combination I ever heard in my life. That's the kind of thing an idiot would have on his luggage. Thank you, Your Highness. Well, did it work? Where's the key? It worked, sir. We have the combination. Great. What's the combination? One, two, three, four, five. 
One, two, three, four, five. Yes. That's amazing. I've got the same combination on my luggage. <laughs> Prepare space four one for immediate departure. Yes, sir. And change the combination on my luggage. Ah. Okay, so when you when you're doing stuff like this, you got to put some humor in it. For those of you that are like, I don't know, living on lived under a rock for most of your life or like under 25, that's from the movie Spaceballs, which was when they made funny movies about stuff that wasn't serious and people actually enjoyed them. Anyway, um that's what it made. I mean, the first time I heard this, it, the first thing I thought of was President Screw and his luggage combination, right? And and, and King whatever the hell his name was in his uh, his airlock combination. One, two, three, four, five. The two leaders had the stupidest passwords, and all of the lackeys that were idiots around them even knew this is stupid. Well, Podesta's uh, advisors are so dumb; they're as dumb as him. Who the hell? Who the hell goes to you know, like their 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 IT people or whatever and says, "Hey, uh, is this legit?" And they go, "Yeah." And when somebody asks for your pass, you don't give your password by email to anybody. I don't care. Who, you don't give anybody your password. You just don't do it. I mean. Most good companies, if you try to, like you're talking to tech support or whatever, and you try to give them your password, they're like, no, no, stop, stop, stop. We don't do that. We don't ever want to know your password. The, the, the idiocy. So the, the, the takeaway from this, though, is the Senate Armed Services Committee today is having this big uh, powwow, big hearing, bringing in front of all of these big wigs, admirals and shit like that, to find out, you know, what we need to do about this cybersecurity problem. In fact, they're they're coming away with this, and they're already having the talking heads, the right wing talking heads, say that we need like a super duper uh, like uh, cyber security agency, right? Like like the NSA and the CIA and the FBI and whatever other lettered agencies that we don't know about that they have are not enough. Like we need another one, another specific group, and uh, the. Was his chafee is there saying, you know, I think Obama threw a pebble. That's what he was saying today. And we need to throw a rock. Would you agree? And these, 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 these simpletons, you know, from, from the, the security agencies and from the military are going, yeah, we need to throw a rock. We need to throw a rock at Russia. We need to throw a rock. Now here's what I want to know. Why the hell are there no hearings over the contents of these emails? These emails that show absolute corruption. Absolute corruption. Why is there no discussion about this? Why is the whole discussion... Now look, if, if Russia is hacking gov our government assets and making the information public, even if it's information we'd like to know about today, that is a problem. I will admit that. I am not going to be a purist on this. That is a problem. But Russia's hacking our systems. And we're hacking Russia's systems. And I'm going to tell you the truth. The United States is hacking every single nation's systems. The United States is hacking its own citizens. It's hacking its own corporations. The United States is the biggest snooper of any country in the world ever. And we have no ground to stand on. Talking about throwing a rock. We're in a glass house. When you live in a glass house, you shouldn't be throwing rocks. But what's going to come out of this is not really going to be a stronger stance against Russia or China or ooh, North Korea, because Kim Jong-un, he dangerous, right? Ugh, right? What's going to come out of this is more intrusion into things like your banking records. Well, because see, the terrorists use banks. Yeah. 
And, 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 the, and the, the, the bastions of conservative liberties are the ones leading this effort right now. So those of you that are still the conservative Republicans out there, that think people like me that are libertarian or anarchists are crazy, your guys are leading us toward bigger, stronger government right now in both health care and in intrusion on privacy. And remember, it was the Republicans that brought us what? The Patriot Act that all of this shit was built on. And more is continuing to be built on. Absolutely. Now, let's talk a little bit about the hypocrisy in media. I don't know if you saw this video. I haven't watched it because I, I, I'm going to tell you the truth. If I, I know what's in this video, and if I watch this video, there's an actual chance that I'll end up in prison. Because the people that did this, it seems like, are arrested, but you know they're going to end up out of jail. And if I watch this, there is a chance that I will go to where they are and, and kill them with my bare hands. Because it's so reprehensible. It's so disgusting. So, so basically what happened is this white kid and a couple of black guys, a white man, right? So he's a young, young, young white man, mentally challenged kid. That's a classmate with this other kid. And this kid lures him away to their apartment or whatever. They tie him up, they tape his mouth, they have him in a corner and they're laughing at him. They're slicing his shirt off of his body, threatening him with a knife, beating him and kicking him. And they're yelling, F white, and they're saying F, right? F white people. F Donald Trump. Stuff like that's going on. You know? It's streamed live. They stream it live on Facebook. They stream it live on Facebook. I'm going to read to you what the police are saying about this in Chicago where this happened. And this is the, this is reprehensible and disgusting. Chicago police, this is the opening line. Okay? This is on Newsday. The, the opening line of the story. Chicago police don't believe a man beaten in an assault broadcast live on Facebook was targeted because he was white, despite profanities made by accused assailants about white people and President-elect Donald Trump, a police spokesman said Thursday. That is the opening line. The opening line! And I've read a whole bunch of other coverage. It all seems to start that way. Well, like, they don't even tell you, like, if you're reading this, at this point, unless you saw it, you don't even know what happened yet. It doesn't start out with this man being assaulted. It starts out with, it wasn't because he was white. Well, what happened? Oh, he was beaten. Oh, and they were yelling things like F white people and F Donald Trump and other racial slurs. But wait a minute, that doesn't sound like it wasn't. Anyway, let me read the rest of it. Charges are expected later in the day against four black suspects. Chicago police spokesman Anthony G, I'm going to call him, told the Associated Press. He acknowledged that the suspects made, quote, terrible racist statements, end quote, during the assault, but that investigators believe the victim was targeted because he has, quote, special needs, unquote, not because of his race. But he said authorities are still looking at whether the attack falls under a hate crime statutes. Okay, I am opposed to hate crimes. I am opposed to the concept of a hate crime. Because I believe that it says that the life of one person is more valuable than the life of another, or the property of one person is more valuable than the property of another. If you burn somebody's house down because they're white, I want your ass in prison dancing with Bubba. Because you're a piece of shit. And you could have killed somebody and you ruined somebody's life. If you burn down their house because you didn't like them, that's where I want you to go. If you burn down their house because they were black, 
and you don't like black people, I want you doing the same thing. Because the crime is equal. Your motivation is irrelevant to me. Your action is what's relevant to me. But if we're going to have this shit, if we're going to have when two white kids beat up a black kid, they're going to charge them with a hate crime because they used the N-word when they did it, and they get a greater sentence due to it, then I want the same thing to go in both directions because we call that equality, which is what the left supposedly wants. The left does not want equality. The left is the king of inequality. But let's say that the policeman is right. They didn't do it because he was white. They did it because he had special needs. Okay. So that's just as reprehensible. That's just as much as a hate crime. I don't care. If, if you're going to have hate crime legislation, well, they didn't do it because he was white. They did it because he was retarded. Okay. Hate crime. Specifically targeting somebody because they are mentally challenged. Let me keep going. President, uh, Inspector G says it's possible the suspects were trying to extort something from the victim's family. Investigators said that the victim was with his attackers, including one who was a classmate, for up to 48 hours, uh, and the attack left him traumatized. Okay, I haven't seen a video because I don't want to be completely enraged, and I don't want to risk my freedom because I think these are people that probably deserve to have their heads twisted off. I really feel that way. I really feel like I might actually do this. That's how bad I think this is. Okay? But I know, because there's no reporting of it, that there was nothing on there going, you better give us some money or we ain't going to let them go. Right? This was just F Trump and F white people and kicking and beating and threatening and cutting and making a, a, a poor person bleed who can't really process what's going on. These people don't just need to be charged. They need to go to the back of the jail so far that they have to pump sunlight in with a straw and they never need to be let go again. That's what they need. That's what they need. I, I mean, this is disgusting. Excerpts of the video posted by Chicago Media Outlet show the victim with his mouth taped shut, slumped in a corner, as at least two assailants cut his sweatshirt off with a knife. As others taunt him off camera, the video shows a wound on the top of the man's head and one person pushing the man's head with his his foot, his or her foot, a red band also appears to be around the victim's hands. Off camera, people can be heard using profanities about white people and Trump. At least one woman is shown in the video. The victim is a suburban Chicago resident who police superintendent Eddie Johnson says has, quote, mental health challenges. In a news conference Wednesday, Johnson described the video as sickening. That's about the first accurate thing that they've given us out. It is sickening. It makes you wonder, this is a quote from the uh, police uh, chief Johnson, uh, superintendent, police superintendent. What the hell is a police superintendent? Somebody tell me. Write me an email. Tell me what the hell a police superintendent is. I, I thought superintendents were like for buildings or construction companies. What what that superintendent? Anyway, they just, I guess, another level of promotion, I, I guess. Anyway, uh, so uh, superintendent Johnson says, quote, it makes you wonder, What would make individuals treat somebody like that, end quote, he said. How about racism? How about racism? If you got somebody you're doing that to and you're saying F white people, how about racism? I mean, geez, you're a superintendent. You'd think you'd be far enough up the investigative chain to see cause and effect. No. The investigation began Monday after officers found a man who was, quote, in distress and was in crisis walking on the street. Uh, city's west side captain Stephen Sasa said the man was taken to a hospital. It was later discovered that he had been reported missing from an unidentified suburb. At about the same time, police took several people into custody at a nearby address where they found signs of a struggle and property damage. Investigators determined the missing man had been at the same address. 
When asked Wednesday about the racial comments on the video, C Commander Kevin Duffin, like that, everybody's, you know, in, involved in this. Commander Kevin Duffin said the four people in custody were, quote, young adults and they made some stupid decisions, end quote. Quote, young adults that made some stupid decisions, end quote. There's a point where you start wanting to line people up and get a large fish, something like a steelhead trout. It's like 80% frozen and grab it by the tail and start slapping people in the face with it. And just going, what is wrong with you? This is one of those times. Investigators will have to determine whether the racial marks were sincere or just stupid ranting and raving. That's also a quote, right? He's sincere or just stupid ranting and raving, end quote. When considering a potential hate crime charge, Duffin said. The victim was with his attackers for 24 to 48 hours before police found him. And the episode has left him shaken, according to Duffin. I guess so. I guess so. Quote, he's traumatized by the incident. It's very tough to communicate with him at this point, end quote. You, you see why, like if you thought I was being a little overly dramatic when I said I might go up there and rip these people's throats out if I, if I actually put myself through watching this video? You, you, understand, you understand now? Do you get it? What kind of sick prick does this? I can't figure out what would make somebody do it. He was screaming F white people and F Donald Trump while he was doing it, but I don't know why he did it. Do, 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 do you realize why Chicago has the murder rate that it does? Because this police department is freaking incompetent. Yeah, I mean, if that's, that's either facetious and you're just playing the politics or you're freaking stupid. I don't know which one. Anyway, police haven't identified the individuals in custody. That's probably smart. That's probably smart. Because there's probably people a lot angrier than I am about this. But said three of Chicago, three are Chicago residents and one is from a suburban Carpentersville. Uh, Detective G said the suspects are all of age 18 or older and that police were working with prosecutors on Thursday to build the strongest case. I think when you video yourself doing it, we got a strong case. Now, as angry as I am about police incompetence and police saying things like, Well, we don't really know if it was a hate crime. We don't know if race was a motivator, even though they were screaming racial slurs while committing the crime. And even though I'm pissed off that Newsday.com opens this story not with what happened, but with the statement, Chicago police don't believe a man beaten in an assault broadcast live on Facebook was targeted because he was white. As bad as all that is, here's what I'm pissed about. I haven't heard shit about this on the TV. Not even from Fox News. Now, what I want you to envision, I want you to imagine that two redneck white guys grab a mentally challenged black kid, do the same thing, take him to some trailer, tape him up, put him in a side, cut his shirt off with a big buck knife or something like that, do exactly the same thing, and start saying FNs, right? And F Obama. What would be going on right now? What would be going on right now? Would there be any doubt? Would there be a police chief going, well, we don't really know what their motivation was. Would there? What, what would the social... And here's the thing. It's not just the MSM. For, the, for those that are under a rock, MSM means mainstream media, right? Okay, Not just the MSM. Where's the alternative media on this? And I'm not talking about me and the people in the, 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 the liberty side of alternative. Where are the social justice warriors? Where are the social justice warriors on this? Seriously. Could there be anything less social justice 
than abducting a handicapped kid and beating him and screaming racial slurs at him and blaming a, 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 a person who, who's not even of the mental capacity to be able to vote that a guy got elected you don't like? Where, where, where is it? This is hypocrisy. Our nation is a hair's breadth from falling apart. When this is ignored, when this is ignored, and somebody puts a swastika on a church door, and it's covered coast to coast, and then it turns out that the guy that did it, it puts a swastika on a black church door and makes it look like it's from Trump supporters. It turns out the guy that did it was a black guy. They want to make Trump look bad, and it's crickets. That's bad enough. But when something like this happens, and there's a media black at it, and you know damn well we'll go on the other side, we're lost. When, and I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, it would not be that hard to go out and find people that would say this has nothing to do with race, or even though it involves race, it's not racist because the guy's white. In this country... We look back on the history segments right now, and we look back at 1920s and this eugenics shit, and we say, how the hell could people think that way? Well, look around you right now today. Look at the way people are thinking today. Look at the way people are thinking today. Because it's only a matter of time before the whole right wing, the, the, the populist white right wing rises up in support of all this new regulation and legislation and security, and we need it because the Russians... The Russians, they'll convince them. The Russians are coming. They're gonna, they're gonna, the Russians are hacking into our systems right now. They're gonna shut off your Xbox. And the left will fall for it too. We've, we've got a mess on our hands, folks. And it's up to us to fix it. I mean, I say it all the time, but there, there's no way the government's gonna fix this kind of a problem. There's no way whatsoever that, that any of this stuff is going to be fixed by the state. And and I don't really think that the people of this country are going to fix it anytime soon either. I think this is all going to get worse before it gets better. And, and I know people are going to be shocked that I'm going to say this, maybe, I guess, I don't know. But but I, I really think that the people on the left that are that are the ones behind all the violence right now, I mean, if you look at it, They're, they're, they're saying that Trump supporters are out harassing women or screaming. I haven't seen any of it. I've, I've heard reports of it, but I haven't seen any conclusive proof that any of it's happened at all. I'm sure here and there, there, there are racist assholes on all sides. So I'm sure there's some of it, but it ain't, it ain't got nothing to do with Donald Trump. If you're a racist asshole, you're a racist asshole with or without Donald Trump. And you don't feel like you can be a bigger racist asshole because Trump's president. That, that's nonsensical. But, but the real violence, the real destruction of property, all of that that's been going on this year is coming from the left. If you're on that side, you guys need to think about what you're doing. I, I rag on the right too. But when you're, when you are of libertarian persuasion, when you are of uh, anarchist persuasion, You tend to align more with the right than the left on, on the, on the issue of basic right of self-defense anyway. I mean, libertarians are generally fiscally conservative and socially liberal, which means leave me alone and I'll leave you alone. 
And you can do whatever you want, but don't ask me to pay for it. And I won't harm you unless you harm me. But if you harm me, I will harm your ass in self-defense. And that's where this is going. If this is pushed far enough that the right, the libertarians, and the real anarchists, not the fake anarchists that they're calling these assholes out in the street, decide that they've had enough, and, and there's enough violence done to us that we do violence back, we are way better at it than you. We are way more equipped to do it than you are. I mean, we're the people that live on things like deer meat and bear meat. And, and I don't mean that as a threat. I mean that as a freaking reality. If this nation goes too far in that direction where, where people start to be afraid to walk down a street because they're white, that they might be attacked, you better watch out. You, you really better watch out. And the worst thing about those is it's always innocent people to get hurt. And see, this is the thing about these sick people, these sick asshole, truly communist socialist leftists. They want, they want innocent people hurt. Whether it's like these sick bastards that hurt this poor mentally challenged kid, or if they goat the other side into responding in violence, they would prefer that that, that violence get done accidentally to the wrong person. Because then it makes them look like the victim. And I don't mean the person who was actually, the whole side. See how violent these right-wing extremists are? That would be the response. But when I see these riots, when I see these people, you know, smashing buildings, when I see them setting cars on fire, when I see them blocking highways, and I notice they're always in these leftist cities, Baltimore, Seattle, New York, whatever, you, you, you don't see them. You know, in the outskirts of Fort Worth, where I live. You don't see it. You won't see it, you know, in rural Oklahoma. You won't see it where they, where they close school for the first day of deer season in Pennsylvania. You won't see it. You won't see it. And there's a reason. Because there's a group of people in this country that if you try to hurt them or you try to harm a mentally challenged kid in front of them, they will show you what real violence looks like. And, and, the, and the truth is, it's like a simmering freaking pressure cooker right now. And my hope is that the, the, the heat gets turned off. But if you're one of the people that keep trying to turn the heat up, I'm telling you. You're picking a fight with the wrong people. In the words of the Japanese emperor, you might awaken a sleeping giant. Just some thoughts. Let's, let's look to the future and maybe some, uh, some better things. So I saw this article that I shared on Facebook. And uh, it amazes me when I share something on Facebook, the way some of the comments come back that are like, nitpicking it and like, well, I can't believe you served this because this is never going to happen. Well, I, I'm not saying this is, you know, the gospel according to whoever this guy is or anything. I don't even, I've never heard of the guy before. And I'm not even, this one, I'm not even sure who wrote it. I found it interesting. And I, I thought I would share this article with you and some of my thoughts on this article. 
uh, as, as I go through it. So it was presented as though it was coming from a guy named Dr. Robert M. Goldman, who's an MD, PhD, DO, and an FAASP, which I can best determine as a fellow of the American Psychiatric something, Society of Psychiatrists or something, though I don't know where the second A comes from. If anybody knows what F-A-A-S-P stands for, please let me know, because I have tried to figure it out, and Google is not much help. But then it says, Introduction by Dr. Ronald Klatz, MDDO. So I don't know exactly who wrote this. And I found other sources that said it came from some German scientist, and I, it's, it's all over the place when I Googled it, but it is interesting. And it may be older than June 6, 2016. I'm not sure. So I am not bringing this to you as an article that I'm saying we should look to this article as a source of knowledge, and we should... Pay homage on to it and believe all that it says. I don't know the credibility of the source, and that's fine because I'm not big on ad hominem, right? Which is where we attack the source rather than the message. So now we can examine the message and say, I don't care if Kermit the Frog wrote it. It's interesting. So here is how it begins. We live in a miraculous time due to the rapid growth of new technology. For those following the anti-aging lifestyle, life expectancy is increasing by three months per year. People using anti-aging tenants for health are seeing life expectancy of 94, and that rate is also growing just as predicted 25 years ago. Medicine is now at last finally transforming from treatment of illness and disease to preventative measures and extension of human lifespan. Here are Dr. Robert Goldman, so it says it's from Dr. Robert Goldman, but I'm not sure, uh, predictions of what we can expect in the future and the impact it will have on our lives. So here we go. In 1998, Kodak, Kodak had 170,000 employees and sold 85% of all photo paper worldwide. Within just a few years, their business model disappeared and they went bankrupt. What happened to Kodak will happen to a lot of industries in the next 10 years, and most people don't see it coming. Did you think in 1998 that three years later you would never again take pictures on paper film? Yet digital cameras were invented in 1975. The first ones had only 10,000 pixels, but followed Moore's Law. So as with all exponential technologies, it was a disappointment for a long time before it became a way superior and got mainstream in only a few short years. It will now happen with artificial intelligence, health, autonomous and electric cars, education, 3D printing, agriculture, and jobs. Welcome to the fourth industrial revolution. Welcome to the exponential age. And then he goes through these, and I'll go through them and give you some thoughts on them as I go. Software will disrupt most traditional industries over the next five to ten years. Uber is a software tool, and they don't own any cars. They are now the biggest taxi company in the world. Airbnb is now the biggest hotel company in the world, though they don't own any properties. And I think that, that Uber-like platforms are just beginning. It, it, it's going to come down to what else can we do. And there's apps out there now that basically have – circumvented Uber and Lyft. And, and the, these, these, uh, these, these cities like Austin that are banning Uber and Lyft can't really do anything about it because it's not a company. It's an app. It truly is a, a cloud-based solution. I, I don't remember the names of them, but they basically work like this. You want a ride, and I want to give you a ride. We, we don't, there's no like Uber with pricing and all. We just negotiate our own price. As it's, like, it's like meeting someone through instant message on Facebook, basically. 
for, for lack of a better way to explain it. And I, I think people are still a little bit hesitant with that because Uber and Lyft and, and other companies like that do like a basic driver background check and the guy has to have insurance on his vehicle and he has to pass a basic background check and things like that. But don't you think a software platform could be invented that allowed people to request their own background check and the computer could ch you see what I'm saying? So, I mean, to kind of break it down, like Neil Franklin and I were thinking this way a long time ago about the contracting business and recruitment because we had a, a contract recruiting company for high-end technical people called Data Workforce. He still runs that company today. And, and our, 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 our thought ideas were we could have candidates that want jobs come in. And a lot of times the company, you know, a tech company will, they'll say, well, this guy's going to go into sensitive areas. This is, we need, we need a, a criminal background check done. Well, you always need consent. So the way you get consent is the candidate themselves gives it. Well, they're never expensive. So our thought was the candidate could pay for his own background check. So there would be a website where he would sign up and just authorize and request it from the state police or whatever. So don't you think somebody could build software that let – like if you want to be a driver and you're just a driver in some app, well, that's fine. But there could be all these different levels of certification you could apply for from third parties. So I think – The danger to Uber and Lyft is that they're vulnerable not to the, the dinosaurs trying to stop them from evolving forward into mammals, but the silicon beings that they don't even realize are evolving faster than them. So I think software, we're just be, beginning to see the disruption of software platforms. It moves on to artificial intelligence. Computers have become exponentially better in understanding the world. This year, a computer beat the best Go player in the world 10 years earlier than expected. In the U.S., young lawyers already don't get jobs because IBM's Watson. You can get legal advice so far for more or less basic stuff within seconds. Uh, with 90% accuracy compared to 70% accuracy when done by humans. So if you study law, stop immediately. There will be 90% fewer lawyers in the future. Only specialists will remain. Watson already helps nurses diagnosing cancer four times more accurate than human nurses. Facebook now has pattern recognition software that can recognize faces better than humans. By 2030, computers will become more intelligent than humans. Um, all of the claims there uh, about Watson, you know, It's a little bit accentuated. IBM's Watson did diagnose a cancer patient in Japan this year that an entire team of specialists were unable to diagnose. The routineness that with this making sound is not being done yet, but I think we're heading there. But let's look at the predictions. 90% fewer lawyers in the future. That's very possible. It's very possible. Oh, no, lawyers, blah, blah, blah. No, it's not lawyers. You see, the thing is, you think there's lawyers everywhere because you see legalese everywhere and legal action everywhere. But what most people don't understand is most law firms are only made up of a couple, three lawyers. You have paralegals and things like that. But if you get to a point where a legal practice can operate with one lawyer and a whole bunch of computers, well, why would I bring other partners into my firm? When I can have robots, automation, computers, and a couple peons do the work for me. And, and here's the thing. It's expensive to become a lawyer. And the reason people are willing to spend the money and the, the years that it takes to become a lawyer is because there's a big payoff. As the value, see, this like, well, no, they'll never go away. No, as the value of being a lawyer goes down, less and less people will be willing to spend the money and time necessary to become one. I don't know that 
the number 80%, or was it 90% fewer lawyers? Uh, I, I, I don't know that that's the case. That might be a bit extreme, but massive reduction, no doubt. The, the last line in there, though, by 2030, computers will become more intelligent than humans. That's going to be very subjective, and I think that's a very safe prediction for this guy to make because nobody's going to remember in 2030 that he made it, right? So, and if it turns out to be like some kind of like amazing, uh, a super intelligent computer beings in 2030, you can point back and say, see, but no one will ever check on it if it doesn't happen. So, moving on, autonomous cars. In 2018, the first self-driving cars will appear for the public. Around 2020, the complete industry will start to be distri distributed. People uh, really question that one on Facebook. No, that's that's dead on. That's not even like prediction. That's just like recitation of, of industry knowledge right now. We already know this is going on. Uber is not the and Uber and Google are not the only ones out there running around automated cars, autonomous vehicles right now. This is going on like crazy. Um, around 2020, the complete industry will start to be disrupted. I think so. You don't want to own. You won't want to own a car. Sorry, you won't want to own a car anymore. You will call a car with your phone. It will show up at your location and drive you to your destination. You will not need to park it. You will only need to pay for the distance driven. You can be productive while driving. Our kids will never get a driver's license. We'll never own a car. Um, I don't know if you're a kid right now yourself. Your kids might not. I think that if you're, you know, a twenty-something and you're going to have kids that are going to be, you know, twenty you know, years from now, fifteen uh, years from now, getting a license, don't don't have a lot of driver's licenses. Um, Maybe some won't though. I mean, you know, he says like our kids, like all of our kids, it is the way it reads. Uh, if he was going to say, you know, half of, half of all kids or, or more won't get a car, uh, by the time we're 16, 20 years from now, yeah, probably. Um, it will change the cities because we will need 90 to 95% fewer cars for that. We can transform former parking lot spaces into parks. 1.2 million people die each year in car accidents worldwide. We now have one accident in every 100,000 kilometers. Uh, with autonomous driving vehicles, that will drop to one accident in 10 million kilometers. That will save a million lives each year. Uh, I guess he means worldwide because there's only about 33,000 a year die in the United States in car accidents. Most car companies may become bankrupt. Traditional car companies try evolutionary approach and just build a better car, while tech companies, Tesla, Apple, and Google, will do the revolutionary approach and build a computer on wheels. I spoke to a lot of engineers from Volkswagen and Audi. They're completely terrified of Tesla. Uh, I think he's missing, the, missing the, the, the whole thing here. The major automakers know which way the wind is blowing here. Ford is... Kind of at the front of this, they they really uh, are. Ford is Ford is looking to be the the evolution of Uber, where you won't have Uber, you'll have Ford. You'll just call a Ford, and we've covered that already, so I won't go there. But and then companies like Tesla, uh, Tesla is different because Tesla actually builds cars, but Apple and Google, Apple and Google, they don't want to do this so they can build cars. They want to do this so they can sell the technology to people with cars or people that build cars. That, that, that's what, that's what they're all about. Next he goes to insurance companies. Insurance companies will have massive trouble because without accidents, the insurance will become 100 times cheaper. The car insurance business model will disappear. I think it's totally asinine. It's totally asinine. Somebody's going to have to call, carry insurance. You know, I mean, it doesn't matter if there's less accidents. Insurance might be cheaper, but then there's less payouts. This sounds like someone that doesn't understand how insurance works. Um, this would actually be a boom for insurance companies. 
They can charge less for their product, sell a shitload of it, and make almost no payouts. Plus, insurance companies, I, I don't know an insurance company that only does automobile insurance. Every insurance company I know that does automobile insurance also does, like, fire and home and flooding and life and, yeah, right? So I, I think that was just, like, the sentence could have been left out uh, completely. 100%. Anyway, real estate will change because if you can work while you commute, people will move further away to live a more beautiful in a more beautiful neighborhood. Um, I do think we'll see more of a migration out of city centers, but not for those reasons. And if there's going to be 70% less jobs in the future, which is what this guy says, then why would you be riding to work and working on your way to work? I just... It doesn't make sense. Uh, electric cars won't become mainstream until 2020. I think that's a pretty good year. I think that's a pretty good prediction. Electric cars mainstream in 2020. And, and this is what, what like people are saying in there. Well, I'll never buy one. No one cares if you'll ever buy one. You're like the person who refuses to use self-checkout or a kiosk at, at Panera Bread. It, it doesn't matter that you won't. It doesn't. That doesn't have anything to do with whether or not something's mainstream. You know, there's people that still won't get a cell phone. It, it does. The cell phone industry doesn't care. They don't care about you. They're more worried about getting the person that's using Sprint to switch to Verizon than they are about getting the person that doesn't have a cell phone in 2017 to finally get one. They, and that, that's how this is going to go. I'll tell you another thing, too. These electric cars are starting to come, and they're getting better and better and better. They're getting better range. They're becoming more affordable, and they're becoming more uh, accessible to charging, uh, not just at home but away. And that infrastructure is coming. Then there's another phenomenon that I don't think people really understand in, in the country right now. Over a third of all car purchases in America today are leases. Over a third. Now, there's a certain percentage of people that even when they buy a car, three years, four years into it, they're going to do a trade-in. They're going to do a trade-in. So what people are saying is, well, you know, look at all the cars that are on the road. And, you know, how long is it going to take to replace them all? Well, nobody's – see, this is the thing. When somebody says something's going to be mainstream, it doesn't mean it's going to replace them all. What's the dominant phone on the market today? What's the dominant cell phone on the market today? iPhone, right? There's still a lot of Androids out there, right? There's still a lot of Galaxies, right? I guess is what I'm thinking of, right? There's a ton of Galaxies and a ton of other phones out there. But what's the dominant phone? What do most people have, by and large? What's the majority market share? iPhone. So mainstream simply means that a lot of people have it, that it's not unusual. Think of it like the Prius. When the Prius first came out, there was like five people in a city with a Prius. Now you see Prius, you don't even notice them anymore. That's what what, what, what I would expect that he means uh, when he says mainstream. So Cities will be less noisy because all cars will run on electric. Well, no, no, that's going to be a while. But here's where I think that's where people are uh, not understanding it. So electric cars won't become mainstream until 2020. Cities will be less noisy because all cars will be run on electric. He doesn't mean that they'll all be run on electric in 2020. Eventually, cities will be quieter because all cars run on Electricity will become incredibly cheap and clean. See, he's, he's, he's saying these things that are far out along with things that are close up, and it's confusing people because so, it, it's poorly written, honestly. Solar production has been on an exponential curve for 30 years, but you can now see the impact. Last year, more solar energy was installed worldwide than fossil. The price for solar will drop so much that all coal companies will be out of business by 2025. 
Not going to happen. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. However, you will continue to see the coal industry dwindle away to nothing. Donald Trump's promise to bring back coal mining jobs, it's not going to happen. You could ease every regulation that the Obama administration put in on coal, and this is why it wasn't necessary. It's not going to matter. Natural gas is easier to refine, easier to transport, cleaner burning, got a better positive energy return, and we have ass loads of it. So you will see more of a decline in the coal industry due to natural gas than you will due to solar It between now and 2020 and 2025. Now, long term, I think solar, we'll talk about solar here in a second. I think solar's on a real upswing, but there's some very misleading numbers in solar right now. But natural gas is what is killing every other power generation uh, capability in the United States anyway. China's still burning the shit out of coal. They really are. But they're making major investments in solar as well. Next, he says, with cheap electricity comes cheap and abundant water. Desalination now only needs two kilowatt hours uh, per cubic meter. We don't have scarce water in most places. We only have scarce drinking water. Imagine what will be possible if anyone can have as much clean water as he wants for nearly no cost. Um, it, there is no doubt that desalination is going to make major impacts, and it's going to lead to larger growth of coastal areas because now you can have the coast and you can have water. We have a lot of coast in this country that gets a lot of rain and we have a lot of coast that gets a little rain. It's you know, it's which side of a of a, a nation are you on or what side of a, a landmass are you on determines how much you rain you're going to get in a coastal effect. And and it's like sometimes it's very very little. And there's a lot of desert and semi-desert and very arid land that's very close to saltwater sources. Um, I know some people say, well, we start pumping the ocean. Well, won't that stop the, the ocean rise from climate change? I'm sorry, I had to. Um, I, the, the, the amount of water in the ocean is, is so extensive that I, I don't think we'll see uh, dropping uh, coastlines from uh, using desalination at all, not, not in the lifetime of any living being or any, any, any being that will ever live that you will ever know, okay, uh, on that. Um, but it, it is an interesting thing. So solar, I, I checked into it. More solar was was put in last year than natural gas. More solar was put in last year, or last year, and I say last year, I mean the recent year, 2016, than wind, than new nuclear, than new fossil fuel. More, I mean, that claim is absolutely the, the case. Well, that's because all of the infrastructure to provide energy Like, see, when they say that, you think, well, wow, that's amazing. No, it's not. Because that doesn't mean that they didn't burn more natural gas or they didn't produce more from natural gas. That just means new power generation capacity. So, in other words, the power plants that can burn natural gas are sitting there. They're just pumping gas to them and making electricity. And a lot of them could generate more electricity if it was necessary, so they don't need to expand the capability of electrical production with natural gas. They certainly don't need to expand it with coal. But what the utility companies have been doing is investing in solar and, and experimenting with this. And as the cost goes down, we get more. So right now, about 1% of our energy uses in this country comes from solar. 1%. 1%. If we have another doubling, which it looks like we will in 2017, we'll be at two. If they're able to maintain that another year, at 2018, we could have four. 
I don't know if it's possible, but assuming that the law of scalability is, is, is there, we could be at 8 by 2019-2020 and floating somewhere near 10% of all our power coming from solar by 2022. That's a significant amount. And what it will do is start making people go, uh, well, it is possible. However, solar is not without its problems. It's not infinite. It's got other things. But if if we, we start looking, you might see more and more renewable energy, and we might get on a path toward a, a total renewable energy system over the next 40 years, I would say. I'm spitballing there. I don't really know. You know. I don't know if I'll be around to see it in 40 years. Be 84. I might be. I might not. I don't know. This guy says I will. I can live to be 100, right? Um, next, health, and let's get on with that. There will be companies that will build a medical device, uh, like called like the tricorder from Star Trek, that works with your phone. It'll take your retina scan, a blood sample, and you breathe into it. It will analyze 54 biomarkers that will identify nearly any disease. It will be cheap, so in a few years, everyone on this planet will have access to world-class medicine nearly for free. Okay, let's let's. So there's something interesting there. That's not world-class medicine. <clears throat> That's world-class diagnostics. There's a commercial right now um, for credit monitoring service or something like that, and they, they have, like, it's like a joke, you know, and the guy's laying there on a, a table and a dentist is looking at his mouth, and he says, uh, you have a very large cavity in that tooth, and uh, <laughs> and the guy says, okay, we'll fix it. And he says, oh, no, I'm not a dentist. I'm just a dental monitor. I just let you know when there's a bad problem. Uh, there's a problem, and the the the, the like the, the the dental hygienist looking lady standing next to him goes, "That's bad," you know. And they they she he says lunch, she says definitely, and they they go eat lunch, and they just leave the guy there, and they don't actually fix the problem. They just told him he had the problem. So if your phone tells you you have cancer, which I think is you know, I I don't think it's gonna be a couple of years, but I think we're we're heading down that path where. A lot of different cancers that there could be enough sophistication in a phone you carry around to tell you you have precursors to cancer. Whatever. You, you, now you know you have a problem. That's not medicine. Medicine is the thing that fixes it. We have diagnostics and then we have medicine. Right? With diagnostic medicine, Jack, you're stupid. Whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, tell me. Like, a lot of times you know what's wrong with you. The flu's going around. You get the flu. You know you have the flu. You don't need a computer or a phone or a doctor to tell you you have a flu. You need medication to deal with the flu-like symptoms that you're dealing with. All right. So, but yeah, I, I think that we are definitely headed for that type of thing. There's already health apps and things like that, but uh, we are heading for diagno diagnostician uh, level services getting more and more into the hands of individuals. Of course, can you imagine the hypochondriacs that will create? Oh my God. Health, uh, I just read that one, 3D printing. The price of the cheapest 3D printer came down from $18,000 to $400 within 10 years. In the same time, it became 100 times faster. All major shoe companies started 3D printing shoes. Spare airplane parts are already 3D printed in remote airports. The space station now has a printer that eliminates the need for a large number of spare parts they used to have in the past. At the end of this year, new smartphones will have 3D scanning possibilities. You can 3D scan your feet and print the perfect pair of shoe at home. In China, they are already 3D printed a complete six-story office building. 
By 2027, 10% of everything that's being produced will be 3D printed. Maybe. Maybe. Not definitely, but maybe. 10%, that's not that much. And the, the exponential curve is hitting that industry hard. Business opportunities. If you think of a, of a, if you think you're of a niche you want to go into, ask yourself, in the future, do you think we will have that? Well, duh. And if the answer is yes, how can you make that happen sooner? If it doesn't work with your phone, forget the idea. And any idea designed for success in the 20th century is doomed to failure in the 21st century. Not, not really. I think that's overgeneralization. There, there will always be a market for the guy that can make a gorgeous hand-laid, handmade inlaid gun stock. I have a really nice gun stock I just put on my, uh, my 77-357 made by uh, Boyd's Custom Gun Stocks. I'm sure it was done with CNC machine. Absolutely positive. But there's certain things it can't bring that an artist can. Right Now, does that mean that there'll be a market for as many people doing that kind of work? Maybe, because there's not that many people doing it right now. That, 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 there's already enough automation in that industry, but you see what I'm saying? There's still that place for that, that guy that can do hand engraving. There, there, there's still a lot of things that people just want to do with other people. But if you're looking to build a big business rather than a niche that you know your customers on a first name basis, he's right. The big, the world of big business is 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 going to completely go into absolute turmoil. And if it's if it if it doesn't somehow integrate, I wouldn't just say with your phone, but with technology and and that to be fair, the phone is becoming an extension of technology. If you think about what the phone does today, the other day I was thinking, how the hell there's not that much on Amazon Prime Video, but there's a few things. Why isn't there an app for my Apple TV? that lets me stream um, my Prime videos on Apple TV. Is it because they're a competitor or what? And I realized, well, there is an app that lets me stream my Prime video on my iPhone, AirPlay to Apple TV. So my phone is now playing my vi my videos on my television set. How long is it before I don't need a television set? How long is it before my phone just projects... A TV for me. Instead of watching a little screen, it just projects a screen. Like in, in, to nothingness. Not onto a, 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 they can't do that. There's a lot of shit you people said they couldn't do that they've done. I, and I don't know. It's, I'm not saying it's next year. I'm just saying that we, we may get into a point where everything, at least that has a, any technology bent to it, does pass through that little box you carry around, you call a phone. I almost wonder how much longer we're going to call them phones. Uh, so there's there's an interesting idea. How long will we continue to call these these pocket computers phones? When might we come up with a new name for them? They, they, they call them personal digital personal electronic devices or something like that, right? Like, but something that would catch on. Because is your phone really your phone? Is that really how you see it anymore? It's the least used function for me. It's my least used function. I use text messaging more than my phone. Those of you that have my number and call me, you know, I'm not real big on picking the phone up and answering it. Uh, I'm bigger on email and text message and, and things like that. 
right? Because when I get on the phone with you, I might be on the phone with you for an hour, and I don't have an hour. So is it really a phone? Or is it more about if it doesn't work through your personal computer, and do we change the definition of that? How long is it going to be before you, before my phone, as we call it today, replaces these two big giant desktops in front of me? If I didn't do what I do for a living right now, if I didn't produce audio and video, I and you could do video editing on a phone. It's just a pain in the ass. But it keeps getting better. Um, work. 70 to 80% of jobs will disappear in the next 20 years. There will be a lot of new jobs, but it is not clear if there will be enough new jobs in such a small time. The answer to that is there will not. Let's imagine he's wrong by 50% on his high number. So 40% of jobs are going to go away. 40%. If we lose 40% and, and only replace 20, we lose 20% of jobs, the economic turmoil is unbelievable. I won't go into it because I've talked to about it before, but just don't let that get out of your head. We have got to be adaptive in the coming world. Agriculture. He says, there will be a $100 agricultural robot in the future. Farmers in third world countries can then become managers of their field instead of working all day in their fields. Okay. Here's a problem with that. Most of those people don't own their land. Most of those people, the only reason they have access to land is because nobody else wants to do the job, and they're like tenant farmers. You know, I mean, that's that's really in the third world. That's what those people are. And if you can put a hundred dollar robot on land and, and run it, then big corporations buy up all of the land that's still privately owned and put better robots on there and get better efficiency. So that might be. Uh, I don't know. This guy needs an editor. He says, agroponics will need much less water. Agroponics. That's what it says. Agroponics. I think he's, what he's talking about there is a, is basically hydroponics when you're doing hydroponics in some kind of aggregate, uh, will need much less water. I, I don't know that, that, that that is really the, need less water. I, it doesn't really need much water to begin with, and I don't know why that matters since we're going to have un un unlimited water, according to him. He says, the first Petri dish produced veal is now available and be cheaper than cow-produced veal in 2018. I don't know if that really justifies out and it actually tastes like meat. Right now, 30% of all agricultural services used for cows. Imagine if we don't need that space anymore. There are several startups that will bring insect protein to the market shortly. It contains more protein than meat. It will be labeled as alternative protein source because most people still reject the idea of eating insects. Um, I, I think the reality there is there's a lot of land that we can only fix with, with, with uh, ruminants. So that's just a lack of knowledge there, but it doesn't mean it won't go that way. And then he says there's an app called Moody's, which can already tell in which mood you are. Until 2020, there will be apps uh, that can tell by your facial expressions if you're lying. Imagine a political debate where it is being displayed when they are telling the truth and when not. That's interesting. So what, what, they're, what he's actually saying is there will be basically video-based lie detection. This person's lying. That'll take a while to be adopted because you're going to have to have complete confidence in it before, you know, you can trust it. And, and, and I wouldn't let it be used on me if I, you know, even if I plan on telling 100% the truth because unless I have confidence that it's going to be accurate, I, I don't want to be 
thought to be a liar when I'm when I'm actually speaking the truth. So that'll take a while to be adopted, but that's an interesting type of technology. He says Bitcoin will become mainstream this year and might even become a default reserve currency. Well, since this year was 2016 and it's over, I will say that Bitcoin was already what I would have considered mainstream by mid-2016, as in just how many users were adopting it. Um, it obviously isn't, hasn't become a default reserve currency, though it may in time become the default reserve currency for individuals, if not countries. For me, it's kind of a reserve currency right now. You know, so depends on how you interpret what he's saying. Longevity. Right now, the average lifespan increases by three months per year. Four years ago, that lifespan used to be 79 years. Now it's 80. That The increase itself is increasing. And by 2036, there will be more than one year increase per year. So we all might live for a long, long time, probably way more than 100. Now, I'm not big on ad hominem, but I do know enough about this guy that know that what he's selling is anti-aging longevity. Okay, so that spoons into there. Um, but I do think that, that science is actually finally making good on this life extension uh, claim that they've made. I did many, many years ago, I, I did a, a thing where I went through all the founders of our country, not all the founders, like 40 of the best-known founders of America, and uh, plugged them all into a spreadsheet, and they were all white males. Uh, and uh, it was like 72 years was the average age of death. And then I, plug, I went over to the uh, CDC and got the average age of death for white males in America today, and it was 72.8. And w w all that was was when you took away all the zeros, all, all, the, all the, ki the kids that died in childbirth and all of the... The, the, the kids that died of childhood diseases that we don't really have anymore because of, on some level, vaccinations, but m far more so, so just on uh, sanitation. Uh, you took those out. Once the person got you know to be a grown adult, they lived about as long as we were living today. But we're starting to see real extensions in human life, um, sometimes for the good and sometimes not. So there's some people that are alive, and you're like, why can't you just let this person pass because they look completely miserable so i don't know and unless we do something about things like alzheimer's and the rates of that growing i i mean i don't want to live if i don't know who i am i, I really don't so we'll, we'll see that but I, i do think we're seeing some of that he says education the cheapest smartphones are already ten dollars in africa and asia until 2020 70 of all humans will own a smartphone That means everyone has the same access to world-class education. Sort of. Sort of. Um, having a smartphone alone doesn't get you educated. It can. You have access to a lot of platforms. And more and more platforms like Linda, etc. will continue to be developed and uh, Khan Academy, etc. But uh, it's an interesting look at the world. And it's an interesting article, and I have a link to it in the show notes today. Uh, you can find it. It's not down where my links usually are. In my show notes, I have some predictions from this article, and that is bullet, you know, uh, hyperlinked over there, so you can take a look at it. But what I want to end with today is we know what's going to happen. We know most of this. The reason he's making these predictions, and the reason I don't care what his credentials are, and I don't care that he has an agenda of trying to probably trick people into believing if they eat his crackers or whatever, they're going to live forever. Is, is because with a, few, with a few exceptions, his predictions aren't that bold. This is stuff that we, anybody that's paying attention knows this stuff is coming. 
kind of making that more clear, I, I'm kind of lifting this from somebody, but I don't remember who and I don't remember what exactly the way he, he phrased it or what examples he gave. But I, I've heard this elsewhere. Here's my extrapolation on it because I don't like to lift other people's material without giving credit. It, it was inevitable that computers would end up playing a prominent role in our lives and that every home in America pretty much would have a computer in it of some kind. But it wasn't inevitable that it would have been Apple and Microsoft that would have the two dominant positions in that role. Uh, the, the Macintosh was not inevitable. The computer was inevitable. The cell phone was inevitable, but the iPhone wasn't. And if we look at all of the things around us today that, that have a major impact on us, the television was inevitable. Once the technology began to be assembled, you know, kind of around the time we're in the history segment, like before there was a TV, it was inevitable that there was going to be a TV. But it wasn't inevitable that it would take as long as it did to get to the first, you know, legitimate flat screens. It could have taken less time. It could have taken more time. Or we could have completely leapfrogged past them to something totally different. We could have went from the console TV to the flat screen without kind of that intermittent phase where those big giant things that you put up in a TV entertainment center or whatever, you know what I'm talking about? Like, all of this is still yet to be written even though we know what's going to happen. Artificial intelligence taking over jobs is inevitable, Who, what, where, when, how that will break down and over what time period is completely unknown right now. And what that means is that if we embrace the inevitability but understand the variability of the how and the implementation and we're open-minded, then all of this spells opportunity for the people that are paying attention with their eyes wide open. So when I get on this repeatedly, and you hear me talking about autonomous vehicles, when you hear me talking about automation taking jobs, and sometimes you think, man, Jack talks about this a lot lately, and I, okay, I get it, I get it. You know, if you think I'm trying to scare you, like this is the new great shit hit the fan, I'm not. I'm trying to make sure that you're somebody with eyes wide open instead of eyes wide shut. Because if you, if you go into this with the right attitude, um, It, it can be amazing. It can be amazing. Or it can be a disaster because the rise of the tech is inevitable. I, I, I'm listening to people and just like shaking my head recently. What's that, that, that blonde idiot's name? What's her name? Uh, Laura Ingram, right? I was, it was, it was, it was Laura Ingram. I, I don't remember where I heard her if she was on TV or if she's on a radio, but I heard her about a week ago and she was on this uh, anti technology rant and she was talking about drones. She goes, Amazon using drones to deliver to my house. No way. I don't want it. Well, then don't order anything from Amazon on a drone then. I, I, I don't know what your problem is. But then she turns around and says, but, you know, the, 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 the military and uh, law enforcement are using them, and that's a very good use of them. Okay, so you trust the state with this technology, but not the company that wants to sell you your next bag of cupcakes. You just see that? That is establishment thinking from someone that claims to be any establishment. And that's the kind of person that's going to get blindsided by this. Where the person with eyes wide open instead of eyes wide shut says, if Amazon's going to start delivering with drones, 
what opportunities does that destroy and therefore what opportunities does it create? And I don't know, but at least ask the question. If, if lawyers are going to be put out of work, what opportunities does that create? Well, maybe less litigation, but that's not the way that it's planned, right? But who knows? What opportunities does that create? If 3D printers are going to be everywhere, what opportunities does that create? If agricultural robots are going to be a hundred bucks, what opportunities does that create? If they're going to be a thousand bucks, what opportunities does that create? Is the opportunity, here's a way that I can implement this and make money, or is the opportunity, here's how I can plan my life so that as I scale into that technology, I do less work? Because, I mean, I look at that and I go, well, that's not a bad thing for a homesteader. That's not a bad thing for a homesteader. If, if I am getting older on my homestead and I can't keep up with everything and I can automate my homestead, that's not a bad thing for me. The problem is that people, as they get older, they're more resistant to these technologies unless eyes are wide open. Unless eyes are wide open. My wife and I were talking about this the other day. One of the fastest growing segments on, you know, in getting online over the last 10 years has been people over 50. Actually, it's been people over 60. I was like, really? Why? I had a hard time believing that. But because they were old enough to resist the technology at first. That's why. Because everybody else just jumped on board. So there's no growth. You can't grow the number of people online over 40, except for more people turn 39 to 40. But you can't get new users in the 40-year-old demographic. They're, they're already online. They were 20-something when this shit really got hot. In fact, they were in their teens when it was starting. They just did it. They just did it. Most people that, we, that are even 60, right, they were 40 20 years ago when this stuff really started to come come online. They had jobs. They had to use it. It's part of work. So what, what the problem we have, though, is The people that are older, they don't want the new thing. The older you get, the more set in your ways you become. And I find myself struggling with it all the time. But you're not going to be able to do that if you want to reap the rewards of what's coming. You're going to have to stay adaptable. You're going to have to be willing to adapt to new technologies. And again, we know what's coming, but we don't know how. And the how and the implementation, that's the opportunity. Hope you enjoyed today's show. I know it was kind of a change-up pitch for you, and uh, I hope again, I just hope you enjoyed it because I wanted to just kind of talk about some of these things and the the, the political crap in the beginning. I just think that stuff that you know you're going to hear, and, and I, I don't want to ever turn this show into completely political, but I've always talked about it some here and there, and there has to be some counterbalance to all the bullshit out there, and that's what I try to make this show for you when we get into mainstream talk topics and things like that. Anyway, if you like this show and the work that I do, consider joining the Member Support Brigade. Just go to the survivalpodcast.com and click on Members to learn more about that. And the other way you can support us is by doing your Amazon shopping through tspaz.com. If you go to tspaz.com, you will see a link. And tspaz is T-S-P-A-Z.com. You can click on the link there. You'll go to Amazon. You can buy whatever it is you want to buy. One of you guys just bought 
a hundred pack of condoms. Don't worry, I don't know who you are, but somebody's pretty optimistic, I guess. Anyway, um, today's item of the day, though, for Amazon uh, through T-SPAS is the Hoover Sprint Quick Vacuum. Now, I know you're thinking, Jack, you're selling a vacuum. Well, I'm not selling anything. Right. I put these items of the day up just because of stuff we use in our home. This one actually comes from Dorothy. This is a little vacuum. It costs 46 bucks, and it is a beast. It is powerful. I actually hate it because it's loud. I hate vacuums. Vacuums are my enemy, and the vacuum runs almost every day here because we have three dogs and a cat that live in the house. And uh, because it's going to be like in the 20s tonight, there will be two more cats in the house tonight because we'll bring uh, Fox and Dana in tonight. Uh, but that thing runs all the time. And, and this is this is why Dorothy ended up with it. One day, years ago, Dorothy comes to me and says, we need to get a better vacuum. I'm like, oh, yeah, what she's like, oh, I want to talk to you about it. I'm like, I don't care, it's a vacuum. She goes, it's like almost 500 bucks. What? It's a Dyson. I'm, oh, I see that on TV, and it's supposed to be the best and all, and we look into it, and we go to the store together and look at it. I'm like, you know, I'm the buy once, cry once guy. When, if you can buy something and it works and it's it's long term solution and it, it does a better job and it, you only pay for it once, I'm okay with it. We got the money, buy it. So she bought it. But the Dyson animal, we get home and the thing was an animal. It sucked, man. It sucked so good. And then eventually it started to suck in the other way. It sucked bad. It didn't suck at all. It just sucked. It didn't work. So she takes it to this repair shop, and the guy says it was like seventy five bucks to fix it. And uh, so she gets it fixed, but he says, you know, if you got animals and you got lots of hair and you're vacuuming a lot, it, it, dog hair and cat hair kills vacuums. It just does. And, uh, and this is a guy, he's the only guy that works on Dyson's in like the Fort Worth area. And, like all the business, like when you go to Dyson to find a dealer, like he's the guy that fixes them. So his business is fixing Dyson vacuums and other stuff too. And uh, he basically he tells her, look, I buy this cheap little thing, this this Hoover Sprint Quick Vac, uh, for and back that back then they were like seventy bucks, sixty seventy bucks, and uh, I just buy one, I use it for two or three years, and when it finally you know craps the bed, I get a new one, because um, otherwise you're gonna just be fixing this thing over and over. Once they break, they 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 keep breaking, you know. So she gets it fixed anyway. She brings it home, and it wasn't that long, and it broke again. And before she went, took it back to this guy, and got it fixed again. She went to Amazon and bought one of these Hoover Spirit Quick Vacuum. She had it a little over a year, I guess a year and a half, something like that. And uh, it is a badass little vacuum cleaner. I mean, and we have a Maximus dog, right? Max the Maximus Shepherd. He is just a hairball. And uh, she runs, like I said, at least every other day. And it's doing just fine. And they, you know, electronics and the pricing curve has come down. They're 46 bucks. And I can see people with a two-story house that just don't want to carry them downstairs buying two of these and throwing one upstairs and one downstairs. There's one limitation on it. It's small. That makes it light and all, but it has a pretty small canister. So you have to empty it quite a bit. With our dogs, like you vacuum one room, you got to empty it. But it works just great. And uh, the Dyson, I'll tell you what, I think it's a good vacuum if you don't have a bunch of long-haired dogs. Um, I also think it's overpriced. I, I After seeing the way this little thing works, I wouldn't... I, I, I'd have to find something better in this price range before I wouldn't use this anymore. So you can check it out. Again, just do your uh, do your shopping at tspaz.com. And uh, when you're going to go to Amazon and you support the show. So if you like the show, no matter what, you can support us through tspaz.com. That brings us to our song of the day. Well, I played uh, played Johnny Cash for you on Monday, I think it was. I played... Uh, Boy named Sue, and I thought, you know what, we need to we need to play a little bit more of the old country from that 
that genre and that that world. And I was thinking about playing another Johnny Cash song. I'm like, I want to play two in the same week. So, uh, you know, Waylon, Willie, you know, people like that. And uh, Waylon Jennings I've always liked. And um, I always like, you know, Waylon just a great deal. And uh, one of my favorite songs by him has always been My Heroes Have Always Been Cowboys. And I have to tell you, that song came out in the 70s, and, and I grew up listening to it. And I was a kid that, you know, kind of wanted to be that outdoorsman, cowboy type, and, and liked, you know, kids, anything that's, it's young boys, it's rough and tumble and all you like. And I didn't really ever really listen to the words and hear the pain in the song. I just liked the song. Well, heroes have always been cowboys. Heroes are cowboys. It's great. And as I got older, you know, you, you listen to it and you start understanding the, the, the words of that song a great deal. And you start understanding, you know, the concept of actually the lifestyle of, of, of being a cowboy. And uh, you get the direct interpretation of the lyrics, the, the obvious, the, the, the Captain Obvious interpretation of the lyrics. But as I got older and I started to, to look at music as what it actually is, poetry, and realizing that all poetry can be extrapolated to much larger or much smaller pieces with symbology, I realized that the, the most prominent line or the most important line in this song is sadly in search of, but one step in back of, themselves and their slow-moving dreams. It's really a song of regret. Never really figuring out who you are, and never really getting to your dream, even though it's slow-moving. Convincing yourself this is what you really want, but as your dream changes, you're just a step behind it the whole way, and just a step behind yourself. And when I think about that, I think about how many people in our country, in our world, are living that way today. Because you're living for tomorrow instead of today. Now, living for today in an irresponsible, stupid, sophomoric way is not what I'm talking about. Yeah, we're going to live forever, dude. But on the on the other side of it, sometimes those kids, they, they've got a little bit better off mentally than we do because they're not making excuses. They're making some sort of an impact. Now, sometimes the impact is stupid, like you're facing to the ground from drinking too much or whatever. But you get what I'm saying. They're willing to go out and get it now. What I think happens to so many Americans is we get sold on the, you know, the Edward Jones or the American Express variety of uh, retirement. The commercial that I've talked about before with the two, you know, perfectly healthy looking silver haired people with their pant legs rolled up carrying their shoes, walking down their beach in the sunset and they're multi-millionaires and they're going to be happy for the rest of their lives. But despite what they said about longevity in that article we covered today, you know, they could be dead in a week or two, even if they got to that dream where we should be trying to ask ourselves, how can we spend more time walking down the beach right now today? How do I get what I want right now? And I'm going to tell you the secret to life today as we wrap this, this, song up, this show up with this song. When you don't give a shit what anybody thinks, and you're happy, and you have what you want, that's the secret to success. That's the You have to have what you want in your life. Be happy with what you have. Not content, actually happy. And not give a shit what anybody else thinks. Then you have success. That doesn't mean that you're not, you know, amicable to people being 
happy for you. But the people that don't like you, the people that have something negative to say about you, whether they're complete strangers or family, if you don't like what I'm doing, don't look at me. I have what I need. I'm not asking for anything from you. And I'm living the life that I want. Then you're no longer sadly in search of and one step in back of yourself and your slow-moving dream. And with that, this has been Jack Spirico with another edition of the Survival Podcast. Help you figure out how to live that better life if times get tougher, even if they don't. I grew up a dreaming of being a cowboy, loving the cowboy ways, pursuing the life of my high-riding heroes. I burned up my childhood days I learned all the roots Of a modern day drifter Don't you hold on to nothing too long Just take what you need From the ladies Then leave them with the words Of a sad country song My heroes have always been cowboys And they still are, it seems Sadly in search of One step in back of themselves And the slow-moving dream Cowboys are special with their own brand of misery from being alone too long. You could die from the cold in the arms of a nightmare knowing well your best days are gone. Picking up hookers Instead of my pen, I let the words of my youth fade away. No worn out saddles, no worn out memories, with no one and no place to stay. My heroes have always been cowboys. And they still are, it seems Sadly in search of One step in back of themselves And their slow-moving dreams